You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the name of the Lord. Today, Sunday, is um, for those who follow the uh, calendar of the church, is Pentecost Sunday. It is 50 days or 49 days after the resurrection. And it is the day that we read in the Bible in Acts chapter 2, when the Bible said the disciples were together in one accord, and then the Holy Spirit came down from heaven. And from then on, the early church, the apostles of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, were enabled by the Spirit of God to do the work of the ministry, the preaching of the gospel. Now, when we say the Holy Spirit, we immediately know that we are talking about the power of God, the presence of God, the majesty of God. Our Lord Jesus speaking to the disciples after his resurrection. In fact, the Bible says, 1 John 1 verse 1, says the things which you have seen, the things which you have heard, the things which our hands have handled. After they had seen, after they had heard, after they had handled, our Lord Jesus still said, don't go preaching until you are endued with this power. So being witnesses, seeing what they had seen, handling what they had handled, experiencing all their three plus years with the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ still said, you do not go into the world yet until you have this Holy Spirit. You receive the Spirit of God, which is the promise of God. When you have him, then you can go forth and be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, why did he say that we've done that? I believe, you know, a few Sundays back we've dealt with that. And in particular, we know that without the Holy Spirit, we don't have the power to bear this witness. Because the Bible says the treasure we carry, we carry it in earthen vessels. So we need the power of God to be able to accomplish this. But this morning, this morning as we, in fact, some would say that the Pentecost Sunday is the birthday of the church. Praise the Lord. It is the day that the church, as we have it, was birthed. Now, on this birthday of the church, what happened? God took of his spirit and sent it into the world, and it came upon the apostles. And this same spirit is what has been carrying the church through the seasons. Now, one of the main things I want us to see this morning, as you come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, which I will take my reading from, from verse 1. It says, Therefore, we also... Praise the Lord. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and had sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Now, in the, the, the thing that I want to take from the passage I'm reading, uh, we are reading today, is the very word, the first line that says, therefore, we also. Why are we saying that? In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible gives us what we call you know, heroes of faith, or the hall of fame of faith. And we saw from Abel, we saw, you know, Abraham, we saw Moses, we saw, you know, the men that had become instrumental in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw how this thing unfolded and unfolded and unfolded and unfolded. And then you and I are here today. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, I want us to see something there. Verse 1 says, therefore we also. What is this saying? It's saying that the faith you have, the faith we have today, we carry today. Or better still, the spirit that is at work in us today is the same spirit that worked upon this man of old. Praise the Lord. It's very important we understand this because this is going to form the basis of our meditation this morning. And it is so important and thank God today is Pentecost because as we say Pentecost Sunday or when we say we are Pentecostals, what do we mean? Do we mean the people who now can come to church and dress anyhow and claim that God sees their heart because it doesn't matter what they put on on their body? Is that what Pentecostalism means? No. Pentecost, that your Pentecostal, praise the Lord. It simply means that you have the same spirit. Praise the Lord. That's what it simply means. You know, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, Since we have the same spirit of faith. The point I want us to get today is this. That no Christian, you and I, if we are Christians today, is a pioneer. We are not loners. We are not lone rangers. We have not developed or discovered some new movement. This thing that we are calling our faith now is as old as the Spirit of God is. And what we are to do and what we are doing must be measured against what the Holy Spirit did and what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's not a wonder that people are, unquote, you know, uh, um, um, critiquing the church for not rising up in this season of the, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. We really should not blame them. Why? Because the way the church had been known over the time was that the church was the solution center for the world. But you see, when the thing, you know, I think they say that different waters have gone under the bridge. When so many things go wrong, then what we see becomes what we get. But it ought not to be so. Because the faith we have, the faith we call our faith today, is the original one. Nobody can claim to be a Christian and say, my own is different. You know, unlike 
Or rather, not unlike, like what happens in many places. Someone says, I have a new revelation. The truth is that there is no new revelation. Jesus Christ is the same word. Yesterday, today, and forever. Even when the Bible says the New Testament, the New Testament is a covenant of better promises. It does not change God. It only makes it better for you. Praise the Lord. So when we come today, we are saying this is what the Bible is saying. Hebrews 12 1 says, therefore, we also, praise the Lord. Now what it means is this, that you and I are writing the same examinations. I don't know why I like using examinations. We are writing the same examinations that Adam wrote, that Abel wrote, that Moses wrote. That what are their names? All these people run the same race that you and I are running. And the Bible says that now, what is happening? It says they are the cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on and are watching us. In fact, recently, you know, just observing the things that are happening in our time, I said, you can imagine today's church, we have to encourage people because they're asked to stay at home. So people are depressed, people are downcast, people are sad because they are locked in their houses. The apostle Paul was locked in dungeons. Paul and Silas, were in the, Peter and they were beaten and put you know, in prisons. And nobody sent encouragement to them. But you see, today we have to encourage you because you can't go out the way you want to go out. You can't put lipstick. You can't you know, wear what you want to wear and go out. So you need encouragement. Brothers and sisters, it's not the same faith. It cannot be. He says, we also, I want us to get something here. We need to retrace and ask ourselves, which faith is it that I claim to be a part of? Because if not, the end will just look like the journey. The people we are talking about here, the Hebrews 11 says, this man, let me do a bit of reading so that let me not assume anything. I read, let, let me read from verse 13. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the hallowed Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? The time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. This is our faith. Walked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the urge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fly the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting, not accepting. Not that deliverance, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. 
And all this, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing what is happening here? The Bible is saying these people ran the same race. But even God did not allow them. They didn't hail them and say you've won. They said wait. You have some people that are coming after you. When they finish their race. Then together all of you will win. Now one of the things that I always used to check my sincerity is. I ask myself. Am I the first person? Am I the original person? And most times you know you're not. I'm not the first account. I'm not the first married man. I'm not the first any of those. And when I answer that question, then I now try to ask myself, how did the others who went in this path, how did they do it? How did it look? And this is what the Bible is trying to tell us here. When he gave us the list of the experiences of these men and women, he says, you and I are in that group. Do you see yourself in that group? Because the moment you see this, you begin to know that the things that you call trials, you've not seen trial. The things you call temptation, you've not seen temptation. Look at what it says. It said they dwelt in caves. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were clothed in ghost skins. It says the world was not worthy of them. They were wanderers in deserts and mountains. This was where they were dwelling. These are the people that the Bible said all of us with them are running the same race. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon them, that has come upon us, or rather that ought to have come upon us, and is guiding us in the same journey. Now, if we don't, if we don't keep our eyes and ask ourselves these questions, we will easily fall off this journey and will make a shipwreck, but that will not be a portion in the name of Jesus. That's why when we come, we must look into the word. That's why there are records put in place for us. The Bible says these things have been written for our admonition, for our examples. The Bible speaking also told us about those who had the same word preached to them. The same people, the same word, another group, the same word. For some, he says, this word, word did not profit them. Was it the word that changed? The word does not change. The word is the same. Praise the Lord. The word is the same, but he says they did not mix theirs with faith. Therefore, it did not profit them. So we learn the lesson that when the word is coming and when we are doing our own journey in this time, we must ask ourselves, am I mixing it with faith? So it meant that they had the word. They probably repeated the word, but they did it all without faith. And that's why the Bible will say to you and I in our time, be not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be not hearers only. Because you can hear, you can actually say, you know, the Bible is so clear and so difficult to misunderstand, but we make a hard work of misunderstanding it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, yes, says, have faith in God. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, shall what? Have whatever he says. But now people have taken that and say, whatever you can say, you will have. No, it's not just what you say. It says, and does not doubt in his heart. Now, you know that when you're telling a lie to somebody, many times you might succeed in convincing the person that your lie is truth. 
but you cannot convince your heart that your lie is truth. Am I right? Why? It's impossible because your heart knows you. Both of you went to the same place together. So when the Bible says what we say, it's saying what you say, or rather when our Lord Jesus is saying you have what you say. He's saying what you say in sincerity and in truth. He says if your eye is single, your whole body will be what? Full of light. He's talking about the singleness of speech. Not the one that you're saying something to somebody. And you yourself don't even believe what you're saying. You know what you're saying is not true. But because the person, you know, believes you or trusts you or respects you, or does not imagine to hear such a thing from you. They agree with what you're saying. And then you go back thinking you have fooled the person. No, you have not fooled the person. You have fooled the fool. Who is the person who is saying what he does not believe? Praise the Lord, somebody. So we see this. It says, we also, we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I am not independent. The Christian race I'm running, the Christian journey I'm on now, is not solely dependent on me. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. You are part of a grand agenda, which God began, you know, from eternity past. You're part of it. You're not just existing. There are things that God is working out that he has decided to get you involved at this stage. And heaven depends. Heaven actually trusts. Because our Lord Jesus Christ said, you did not choose me. Isn't that what he said to us? But I have what? Chosen you. And have what? Ordained you. And I've done what? I've done all these things so that what will happen? So that you will, you know, just fool around. No. He says, I will ordain you that what will happen? That you may go forth and what? Bear fruits. So God, when God placed his hand on you, he said, I'm going to get something out of you. When he placed his hands on your farm, he said, I'm going to get something out of you. There is an expectation. He said, he whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There is something heaven is looking for. So when you look at your life, child of God, when we look at this journey that we're in, let us imagine, assuming we don't know the whole of the picture, but we know that God put men in their races, in their journeys, and committed eternal things to them. You can imagine what would have been the story if Joseph found himself in Egypt and thought that this was a beautiful, jolly ride and decided, well, this is a big city. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to make the best of this, my situation. And when he found himself in Potiphar's house with all the favor, he could have spread out his hands and began to see how to enjoy life as an Egyptian. But you can see that Joseph never thought about that. Something kept telling Joseph that a divine agenda is hanging on your shoulders. And that is why when the temptation of Potiphar's wife came, Joseph could say, no, madam, we can't do this thing. You may be able to do it and get away because it's between you and your hidden husband. But I, Joseph, am connected to God. There are generations that are dependent on me. 
God is waiting on me. There are things that I'm carrying that are beyond what you see. So I cannot commit this sin against destiny. I cannot commit this sin against posterity. I cannot commit this sin against the eternal plans of God. That's what Joseph was saying. Joseph was not saying, Madam, you're not beautiful. He wasn't even saying, Maybe we are going to be caught. He said, No. He said, I am involved in something. You see, I'm running a race. The baton is in my hand now. And if I don't play well, if I don't run well, a whole nation, you can imagine if Joseph never made it to the palace. You can imagine what would have happened. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Now, this is the way this journey is. Up to today's time, something is happening. But many times we don't understand. So the Christian imagines that I'm just on my own. Or this is just between you and I. No, it is about posterity. There is a journey that we are on. And this thing began for us, you know, in the church age. From Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came upon those disciples, that same Holy Ghost is what has been working. Now, if I want to ask myself, is this engine, because now the Holy Spirit is working inside of me. This Spirit of God that is working inside of me, that's the same Spirit of God that worked inside of Peter. That's the same Spirit of God that worked in Paul, that worked in James, that worked in John, that worked in all these people. Have I sat down to ask myself, what is the resemblance? What is the similitude of my life and these men and women that live then? Until I have that as part of my meditation. Until I have that as part of what I remind myself of. And until my faith begins to look like their faith. Then there is something wrong. And I must not allow myself sleep. Praise the Lord somebody. Come with me to Jude. The letter of Jude. Is one chapter. Let's read what Jude wrote. It says Jude a bond servant. A born servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Even that alone, Jude, a born servant of Jesus Christ, that alone begins to tell us what we think. You see, we thank God for the nice things we say about ourselves. We thank God for the encouraging words we say to ourselves. But the Christian is a born servant. The Christian is a servant of Jesus Christ. We have experienced his love and we have thrown ourselves head over heels and said, Jesus, we will love you. We will serve you. Anything you say to us, we will gladly do. It says, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, mercy, peace and love be multiplied to you. Verse 3 now. He said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. He says, verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, 
that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. If we go down and down, Jude is making the same point. What is Jude trying to say? Jude was trying to call the believers back to the faith, the original faith. That's why I say to them, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered. The original faith. The original faith. He says, let's go back to it. He said, I'm writing to you concerning our common salvation. That word common can be, can be looked at common in a sense everywhere and, you know, cheap. But that's not what he meant. We, he meant common in terms of universality. It's the same faith. It's the same faith, which is the same thing that Hebrews 12 was saying. He says, we also, this salvation I have, is the same salvation that they had. It's the same salvation that the fathers had. This is the same faith. So, this is the faith of Abraham. This is the faith of Isaac. This is the faith of Jacob. It's the same faith. So, Jude says, I'm writing to you this salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Please let us walk and hold it together. Why? It says men have risen and have crept in. And what is their plan? Their plan is to turn the grace of our God into lewdness. Can we look at the living Bible please? Verse 4. It says, I say this because some godless teachers have won their way in among you. Saying that after we become Christians... We can do just as we like without fear of God's punishment. Anybody heard anything like that before? That now you're a child of God. It doesn't matter. Now you're born again. Now you're the righteousness of God. You can do anything you want. It does not matter. But you see, James was, James was written how many years ago? He was saying the same thing as if he's here today. Listening to a lot of preachers. Watching the television today. It says that after you become Christians, you can do just as you like without fear of God's punishment. It says the faith of such people was written when? Long ago. It says, for they have turned against our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Even the argument that says once saved, forever saved. Look at verse 5 as he answers it. Now this argument, we didn't know it was there then, but it's here today. It says, my answer to them is this. Remember this fact, which you know already. That the Lord saved one. A whole nation of people. Note that word. The Lord saved a whole nation of people out of the land of Egypt. And then what did the same Lord do? And then the Lord, the same Lord did what? Killed every one of them who did not trust and obey him. Say to yourself, I will not be deceived. I will not be deceived. Let nobody fool you. If you get born again and you continue in sin, the Bible says, know you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. It says, if any man, whether you or a third party, defiles this body, what will happen? It says, God will destroy. These are the things that the Bible is saying. This is the faith that we have. Now, you will note here, and as you, you know, think about it and look at the Bible, many of the things that are issues now, they are not even issues in the Bible because these people who went before us were dealing with real issues. They were dealing with persecutions. They were dealing with sufferings. They were dealing with afflictions. They did not have time to begin to argue. 
you know, whether I can continue to do this and then that will happen. No, it was never coming up. There were genuine issues of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. There were survival, you know, having to survive shipwrecks, having to survive starvations and all of that, that they were dealing with. And for the reason they drew down their faith and the power and the presence of God and were able to make it through those things victoriously. And then we're able to have the faith that we have. But now that we have this faith, it can imagine what occupies our minds. It can imagine what we call stress, what we call insult, what we call persecution, what we call trials and tribulations. If somebody does not have, um, you know, I don't know what it is. It was it mean I'm suffering for Christ. But the Bible said, no, it's not that way. It says when you can claim suffering for Christ, it's when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. So you don't go and steal or go and lie or go and, you know, do one thing. Or maybe you're just slothful and lazy and they suck you at work or they don't promote you. Then you come and claim that the reason you're not being promoted in your place of work is because you're a Christian. No, you're not being promoted because you're a failure. Because the Christian persecution is the persecution that is recorded against men like Daniel. He said this man excelled in his work and there was nothing that his contemporaries examined in every way. How can we find a fault against Daniel? And they said no way. They could not find any way. So the only way they could find a fault against Daniel was to say if any man prayed to another God apart from the king. Now that was persecution for righteousness sake. And you know what the story said? Daniel ignored them. And continue to serve his God. And you know the rest of the story. God delivered him. That is what the Bible means when it says persecution for righteousness sake. But you don't do what you should do. You know or you fail in your responsibilities. And then consequences come. It's not persecution. It's not, the, it's not what these people are talking about. It's not what these people are talking about. So we have today the opportunity of Pentecost. To cry out from our souls and say, Lord, give me that same faith. Praise the name of the Lord, somebody. Give me that same faith that our fathers had. In fact, if I had a theme, I, say, I call it here, the same faith of our fathers. The same, in bright, the same faith. Okay, because you, you can claim anything you want to claim, but is it the same? And, uh, like I was trying to say when we started, part of why... The Holy Spirit, you know, had to be given to the church, or rather part of what the Holy Spirit does, is that the Holy Spirit is a seal. You see, when you deal with any product, and the more valuable, the more precious it is, then the necessity of confirmation of this genuineness. So, you find out that if it's gold now, they will have a little mark there that says it is 18 characters. Or 24 characters or something. And the more precious the metal is, the more essential it is for them to mark it. Saying this one is authentic. Now the Holy Spirit is given to the church not just to help us work miracles. Because even the devil works miracles. The Holy Spirit is given to the church to maintain the originality of the spirit that we should operate by. 
Praise the Lord. And that's why he's not just the spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you look at the record in John 16, where our Lord Jesus Christ introduced to the disciples that he's going to send the Holy Ghost, that he's going to send another, you know, the helper from God. When the Holy Ghost comes, the major thing our Lord Jesus Christ said he would do, can I tell you what, is the very thing people are denying he does today. What does the Holy Spirit do? He said, when he comes... He will do what? He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of sin. But that is the very thing people don't want again. Nobody wants to talk about sin. Nobody wants to hear about sin. People can do church now for years, for months, and have a good time without the Holy Spirit being allowed to do what he should do. Let's just be happy. But don't you understand that he's not the happy spirit? He's the Holy Spirit. The primary thing he does is to make you holy. To make you holy. John the Baptist, our Lord Jesus said, no, born of woman is what? Greater than this John the Baptist, which means he was greater than Moses, greater than Elijah and the prophet. Okay? Even though he says the least in the kingdom. But John the Baptist, the Bible said, walked no miracles. He walked no miracles. So he's greater than Elisha, who raised the dead. He's greater than Elijah, who raised the dead. He's greater than Moses that parted the sea. What was he saying? He's saying this man was close to the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost from birth. From birth. That's the seal we have. We have the seal of the Holy. So when you think Christian... And you remove holy is no longer Christian you're thinking about. In fact, many people who call themselves Christians might as well get another name and answer. Why? Because the distinguishing, in fact, let's not even go far. I don't know how old you are. I'm over 50 now. But let me tell you, as a young person, when you think of people who go to church, you know what you think of? Holy people. Holy people. Holy people. When you think of born-again Christians, You think holy. How many people think like that now? People don't think like that. When you think of born again Christian, if you think of pastor, you think suit, tie, swag. Isn't it? When people talk about their churches now, they they talk about how rich their church is. They talk about how handsome, oh, my pastor is cooler than your pastor. They they talk about how many cars that are being dedicated. They talk about um, the husband that they get in the church. Nobody talks about holy again. You know why? There's been a shift. The devil has derailed the train. I don't know if you've seen those movies. But it's so easy to derail a train. All you need to do is just put a little, you know, something to disalign it. And when it starts off initially, it will be running on a track very close to the original track. But as it goes further, as it travels more in distance, the variance between it and its original track becomes so wide. That is what has happened in the church. There is no semblance now of the faith of our fathers and the faith you hear in church. People used to come to church, at least in the days that I can remember a bit. And after service, people are falling down and are weeping, they are praying. Lord, change my heart, turn my life around. But now, after service, nobody's... In fact, if they wait till after service, the pastor tries. During service, people are already sending messages. Or taking selfies, or one thing or the other. 
Why? Because the environment has completely changed. But let no one allow himself to be deceived. If this is the faith that you want, then you must look at those who have gone ahead. It says, we also, praise the Lord, we don't have the liberty, we don't have the room to say we are modern. You know, people say, ah, those are olden days. Now, let me beg you. God is ancient of days, but he does not get old. Praise the Lord. He doesn't get old. He's the same yesterday to them. God is God. God does not have time. He doesn't dwell in time. He doesn't unfold. He doesn't, you know, wear out. No, he's ever the same. So when you think of it, I think, no, no, those are the olden days. You know, I was speaking with my wife about some, you know, sister that we're very proud of. And somebody was, you know, talking and chatting with the sister and said, I think I'm interested in you. And the sister immediately said, now you're interested in me, you better go and speak to my pastor's wife. And from then, she, you know, shut down, distanced herself from that particular person. And what is going on now? They're about to get married. Now, that is old school, isn't it? But that is the way it ought to be. You know why? Now, many sisters today who are, unquote, Christians, are walking about, that brother has broken my heart. That brother has broken my heart. How did he break your heart? Was it during singing? Was it during intercessory prayers that he broke your heart? If not that you had stepped away from the way it was meant to be. What we are taught is that if a brother is interested in a sister, it says don't write love letters. Go and tell the pastor. Why is that so? So that there can be a sense of accountability. That is the way the faith was before. But today's faith is, they say, you know, I hear some pastors say some things. I can't even say it. It annoys me when a pastor tries to convince people that premarital sex is not good because it will affect the marriage. Premarital sex is not good because you go to hell. You go to hell. Forget whether it affects your marriage or not. You will go to hell. The Bible says fornicators and adulterers. What will happen? It says God will judge. Lying is not bad because they catch you. All liars shall have their portion where? In the lake of fire. The people we dealt with, these were not the issues that we're dealing with. And that's why I don't have patience when people try to take the past of these apostles and men of God. And bring them to our current. And they say Paul was a murderer. When did he murder? After Jesus appeared to him. From the moment Paul said, who are you Lord? And Jesus said, I'm Christ whom you persecute. And he said to him, what would you have me do? From that moment, did we see anything wrong with Paul again? We didn't see anything. That moment for Paul was salvation. Now for you and I, whatever you have done... Before your salvation, the blood of Jesus has washed it away. But from the moment you got born again, the Bible says, He that is in Christ what, is a new creature, a creation. All things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are what? Become new. It doesn't mean you will make mistakes, but you will be making progress continually. And if you've been on this journey, I bet you, you must be able to look back at your life and see that the things I used to do before, I do them no more. If you're still doing the things you did before, now, then let me tell you something. It's not this faith. This faith has transforming power. This faith has power to bring murderers and change them. 
This is the faith of Mary Magdalene. This is the faith of the hell. This is the faith that takes people no matter what their background and transforms them into holy children of God. If the Holy Spirit can make you holy, then what are you waiting for? Better than join our opening and something and function there. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? People want members so they will deceive themselves. And members want to feel good. They will deceive themselves. If somebody is lying to you, should you lie to yourself? I don't understand. If I went to a nightclub and the pastor started preaching to me in the nightclub. I would say this is not a nightclub. This is a church undercover. The same way if I go to a church and you're treating me like a nightclub. I should get off my, my, my board and find a church and go to. The faith of our fathers. The same faith. The same faith. All kinds of considerations are coming up. Okay, you know, I, I'm getting old. I want to burn. I want to burn. Ah, I, they get old. Now, have you not seen people in the process of wanting to burn die? If you now want to burn, unquote, and get into it in disobedience to God's will, and you die, what will you say to yourself? Is this faith about burn? Those that have children, what has it done for them? By all means, you will have children. You will marry. All of that will happen. But is that what the faith is about? Is that what you're going to shut down? The glorious future, the posterity that is hanging on you. You can imagine Joseph. You can imagine him in Egypt. All the pressure he must have been on. All the things that he must have been thinking in his heart. But something said to him, Joseph, this is not about you. Something said to Joseph, do you remember... That your father, your forefather Abraham was made a promise. That his descendants were going to be slaves in a foreign land. 400 years. And after that I'm going to bring them. Do you know the part you're going to play? And when the problems of life. When the challenges of life came upon Joseph. The spirit of God which you have. Which he has also. Because the Bible says God was with him. Will say to him Joseph is not about you. What you're going through is beyond you. Listen to me. As a married man, as a married woman, as a Christian, your commitment to purity is not about you. It's not about someone provoking you. It's not about your husband annoying you. It's not about, no, the same way you're on the road and a policeman or soldier, better still, provokes you. You don't slap him. When they provoke you, what do you do? You tell people around. I didn't do anything, no. And then you continue, Abby. Uh-huh. Because you know better. It's the same thing. You know that you have involved, you know, it's unfortunate. But how this thing is changed right before our eyes. Many years ago, if people set up, I remember even my father's business. I'm talking about, you know, almost 35, 40 years ago. When you saw the accountant in any organization, he was SU. You see them, they have engineers, they have different people, you know, different ways. But whenever you see the accountant, he'll be somebody that, you know, they'll know this is a church person. You know why? This is where they want the truth. So even the world knew. Even the world knew. But today, today, how many people are asking for employees? And I'm saying, I want, in fact, now when people say they are Christians, unquote, people start suspecting them. Because it has become a ground for fraud and deceit. Why is that so? Is that because we have allowed 
what ought not to be. We have mixed ourselves with another group. The Bible says we are in the same group with these men and women, these heroes of faith. I want you to see that God is looking at you and he's saying you are a hero of faith. You're a heroine of faith. That's how heaven is looking at you. That's why it says these people, do you know the people that are clapping for you? Young lady here, your burdens, this and this and that. Ruth is saying to you, move on, move on, move on. You can make it. Move on. Ruth is saying, move on. Move on. Praise the Lord. Yes. Somebody described. Delay, delay, delay. Abraham is saying, how old are you? 37 years. He says, I wait. Do you know when they get married in those days? As teenagers. 37 years, God has failed you. You have not reached 90. Abraham said, at 90 something, I was still waiting on God. He was coming to change my name. After I lived almost 100 years, you're changing my name. He answered Abraham longer than he answered Abraham, waiting on God. But these are the people that we have the same spirit that they have. And then God has failed you because six months has passed, God didn't answer you. And somebody is disillusioned because uh, this is what I felt God wanted me to do. And, and I'm doing my best, but it's not working. Pastor, I can't, I can't blame myself. I can't, in fact, I can't, like that uh, Nigerian English. What's that Nigerian English? I cannot come and go and kill myself. Uh-huh. I cannot come and go and kill myself, Pastor. Abba, I've tried. Moses tried. The Bible says when Moses became of age, I want you to look at the people we are in the same group with. When Moses became of age, the Bible says he refused To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Let me tell you, if I made that choice, God was owing me. He decided, okay, let me side with the children of Israel. And siding with them, he delivered an Israelite from an Egyptian. Came the next day to separate fight between two Israelites. And then they called him a murderer. I'm sure Moses would have been waiting for God to intervene immediately. And just, you know, power would change hands. But one year, he was in the wilderness. Two years in the wilderness. Five years he was in the wilderness. Twenty years he was in the wilderness. I beg, what did Moses do wrong? Have you ever asked yourself? What did Moses do wrong? Moses arose for God's sake. This was his assignment. This was his calling. This was his destiny. And he went in to do what he was called to do. And for that reason, 40 years in the wilderness, no voice, no revelation. He went from Ajebota to Shepherd Boy. And then when God still spoke to him, he heard him. My brother, just get up of your feet there. Just get up, get up, get up. What has God done to you? You know the way people talk? You don't understand this and this and What Moses fought, do you know what 40 years is? For doing everything right. And yet when God came, the Bible said of Moses, he was the meekest man on the surface of the earth. These are the people we are running the same race with you. These are the people. Time will fail me to tell you of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If there are young people watching, let me tell you something. These are the people that are looking at you now. They understand what it means to be teenagers. Most of these teenagers, most young people that are watching me now, you come from Christian homes. Okay? So you have, you have parentage that are examples. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had come from a backsliding. At the time of this was when the nation had gone 
you know, had gone apostate. And God had allowed the Babylonians to come and take them captive. So these boys were taken into captivity. And they found themselves in the place of captivity. And what they would say was that they would not defile themselves with the delicacies of the king in the place where God had allowed them to be taken captive, in the place where they are about to be trained to serve in the king's household as the king's advisors. Tell me, who would say no to that opportunity? But they had the spirit of God inside of them that was saying to them, you are born differently. You are born differently. This one is not telling them, don't come in fornication. Don't go to party. Don't smoke. No, that's not, that's, you see, we, we read, sometimes I don't have hair to pull. Sometimes I want to pull my hair. That's the truth. When you're saying, they say, uh, uh, this life is boring. What is boring? What is boring? These boys, we're not talking to them now. We're not saying to them, don't smoke. They say, this is your entitlement. And they say, this thing will defile me. Why? Because they had the spirit of faith. They had the Holy Spirit. They knew that where they were, they were there to shine. They knew that they were not placed there by accident. They knew that even though they were slaves in Babylon, God had introduced them into Babylon to show his workmanship. So that Nebuchadnezzar and the known world will know that there is a God in Israel. Child of God, do you know that by virtue of the Holy Spirit that is inside of you, any environment you find yourself in, heaven is expecting you to be a demonstration of the power and the wisdom of God. Do you know that? It was that understanding that gave them the the boldness to say, we will not defile ourselves. You see, eating this raised you people, eating this, you know, acclaim you people. It makes you people belong. But if I eat what makes you belong, it brings me down. Because I'm seated in heavenly places. Far above principalities and power. I am not at this level. I'm a child of God. I am born of the spirit. Listen, the Bible says that we are heavenly. It says our citizenship is in heaven. That's the faith that we have. This faith we have is of people who are already in heaven but are taking a journey on earth. Another thing that has happened in our time is people say it's not about heaven. It's not about heaven. If it's not about heaven, what's it about? What is it about, sir? What is it about? Ten days ago was the ascension. The disciples were looking at Jesus like this. In bodily form, he rose before them and went back to heaven. And the Bible says when that happened, two angels appeared and said to them, the same way you've seen him go, he's going to come to take with you. Then what is it about if it's not about heaven? I want to ask you, you know, I don't know if you have enjoyed life, but God has been merciful to me. I've been blessed in life. I've seen a bit of enjoyment. Listen to me. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Nothing in this world. Is it travel? You will travel and travel and travel until you can't wait to get home. Is he eating? You will eat the best of the meals until you can't wait to pass it out. Is he clothes? Go and look at the pictures you took 10 years ago and see what that attire that made you go crazy, what you feel about it now. 
There's nothing in this life. The Bible says we are looking forward to the new heaven and to the new earth. Where righteousness dwells. Where everything is beautiful. That is the place that we are going to. Christianity is about people who by faith have seen the end. And are working on this journey victoriously. The same faith of our fathers. This is what will make men to win. Let me ask you. In every field of human endeavor. Football is how many years old? Over 100 years I believe. Now I've seen the greatest you know, uh, footballer of all time before now is Pele, isn't it? How many of those free kicks did he get? How many has Ronaldo gotten? How many has Messi gotten? Even those who play in my backyard now can almost play as good as Pele. Why? Because, because it's the same football. Over time, the level of expertise and excellence is going higher and higher, isn't it? I recently started watching lawn tennis. If you watch the old lawn tennis games, the longest, what was it called? Volley. Is it, what was that one that's gone? The longest volley, you might find maybe two minutes, three minutes, but rally or whatever. But now you watch it, they don't miss the balls again. You will see the ball is falling off. Somebody somersault, you know, use his back and kick, play the ball in. Why? Because when something is maintained over time, it gets perfected. Now the question should be, why is the church today weaker than it was before? Why is it that in every area, even in dancing, it was in my own age that they started spinning on the head. Maybe that's why this hair is gone. People used to dance, you know, and all kinds of dance. But in my age, they brought out break dance. Not just that you dance, you break your bones. And break furniture. So everything is progressing. Everything is progressing. All kinds of things are progressing. But when it comes to our faith, then we see the quality reducing. Why? A problem is happening. What is the problem? Paul told us about it. Speaking to Timothy, he said, the genuine faith that was in your grandmother, Louis. The genuine faith. The genuine faith is no longer being transmitted. When I got born again, I knew why initially I didn't want to. I was saying, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Now, who is bothered about being a hypocrite? I, I don't born. I say you, which one you born? You say I born winner. I born, I born here. I born, you know, and, and people will, will do all kinds of, the very life you are living before you're so-called born again, you're still living it and you're claiming born again. I don't understand. Then people say, no, 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 no. No, I don't want to. Huh? If people came to church as sinners, they would keep quiet. Now, if people came to church as sinners, they say, right on. Why? Because the spirit of faith, the Holy Spirit, the original spirit, the genuine spirit has been taken aside. And another spirit is operating. And this spirit is a happy spirit. It's a spirit that is intellectual, but is not wise. Is a spirit that argues down the truth and patches the conscience with all manner of things. It's where Peter was talking about the Apostle Paul. Second Peter 3. Let, let me read it so if I don't have the time, you go home and read it. Second Peter 3, verse 15 and 16. It talks about 
our beloved brother Paul. Okay, he says, Consider the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. 16. Look at what 16 says, as also in all his epistles, he says, Speaking in them of these things, in which are some things what hard to understand. Now, look at what he said, which on tough and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. You see, Paul got some revelations that you need God to help you unravel. But you see, Paul is also very clear. It's the Holy Spirit that we have. What am I saying? The faith we have is a holy faith. It's a holy faith. Let nobody, it will never change. It will remain. You know why? God is holy. And his children must be what? Holy. His presence must be what? What demarcates his children is not prosperity. Tell them, Pastor Ikenna said that. What demarcates God's children is holiness. It's not even miracles. It's holiness. Because Hebrews 11 says, This did not obtain the promise. And he says, we are running the same race. Let me round up. Hebrews 12. So it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what should we do? He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto, not the preacher. Looking unto, not the bishop. Looking unto, not the brother. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. And I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we thank you. For there is joy ahead of the Christian. There is a joy that is reserved for us. There is a place reserved for us. Our master, when he told the parable of the talents, he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, enter into the joy of your master. I want to encourage every faithful believer that is watching me. Hold on. The world might be calling you a failure, but your master is proud of you. The world might be calling you old school, but your master is proud of you. You are running the same race. Jesus, the Bible says, for the joy. For the joy. He did not trade tomorrow's joy for today. No, he held on. He persevered. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is perseverance, endurance, long-suffering, patience, faithfulness. Child of God, hold on. You might seem not sharp. People say, what's wrong with you? You're not sharp. You could have made this. You could have had that. You could have done that. But that's not what you're looking to. You want to maintain the faith which was once and for all delivered to us all. And today we receive the grace to hold on until we hear well done father we give you praise blessed be your holy name in jesus christ's name we have prayed god bless you
been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.